Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. We are on the air with Killing the Business Wrestling Podcast with the 60-minute time limit. The man in charge of this episode is your host, the king of the north, Sick Vic. He is a member of the Rat Pack, and he is now the number one contender of the OVW Kentucky State Championship, a very beautiful championship, if I may. He is flawless, Jake Wallace. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm feeling good, and it's good to be here, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on and whatnot. Feels good. It feels good, my man. One quick question before we get into stuff, and I could not... Did not have time to research this to see if there was a connection or not. Did you ever wrestle in XPW? XPW. I did not, actually. Because mm-hmm. the name itself was just like, no, I thought that seemed familiar. But. XPW. Is that Missouri? I was in um California area. Uh, nah, I wish. Uh, California is definitely one of those bucket list states. Uh, but so far, no. Um, I've hit a few states. Uh, I've actually got a resume. Um, most of the time, I send it out to promoters, but a few fans have asked for it, actually. And I've hit several surrounding states, farther out states, but several different promotions. Would you do a deathmatch? Probably not. And it's not for the sake of my body, because I've done some pretty crazy stuff. But uh, it was my uncle, uh, Burt Prentice, uh, was Christopher Love back in the day. Um, but he was just so far against it, I guess, coming in and being taught that way. I mean, I don't have a problem with it personally because, I mean, Toby Farley, great guy, great cat, love working him. And, man, his deathmatch stuff is just an art. But to me, I just, not so much I couldn't do it, but I wouldn't want to out of respect for my uncle, I guess. A hardcore matches you have no problems with. Mm, hardcore? You talking like chairs, ladders, or are we talking light tubes and stuff like that? Yeah, it's like chairs, ladders, but not light tubes, barbed wire, thumbtacks. Yeah, yeah, I'd have a hardcore match. Uh, I've done t- plenty of tables, ladders, chairs. Uh, shoot, I actually got hit with a barbed wire baseball bat. Uh, personally, by Honcho Hensley. Um, I've actually gone through a wall or two. And uh, I think we even, we actually did a segment. Uh, I actually got thrown through a car window. But that's pretty much been the extent of it. But in match, yeah, hardcore, but not so much death match. You're just like at the border of death matches. Like, yeah. <laughs> right on that edge. Yeah. It is for sure. I mean, I was a big adrenaline junkie as a kid, though. So I was BMX biking, ramping. I'd snowboard off the roof of the barn into a huge snow pile. I mean, I did some crazy shit as a kid, and it's kind of followed with me into being an adult. Well, if you could describe your professional wrestling journey using one word, what would it be? One word to describe my whole journey. It's tiresome. 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 But man, I mean, tiresome, but still it's been so epic. Like 
a lot of the memories I've got to make never would have happened because of wrestling. A lot of the places I've seen never would have happened without wrestling. But man, some of them eight-hour drives one way and then coming back the same night. I mean, that's the stuff that gets tiresome. Not so much tired of the business. I mean, yeah, tired of the business bullshit and drama. But man, it's been so epic with all the experiences for sure. Did you always want to be be a professional wrestler, or did it just like fall in your lap one day? Uh, actually, it fell in my lap. Um, so when I was actually thirteen, um, was the first time I ever came down to Tennessee and seen an independent wrestling show. My uncle uh, Bert Prentice was running the Nashville Fairgrounds, uh, and actually it was happening right before all Dixie Carter stuff, Fairgrounds TNA, all that good stuff. Um. This is the first show I ever went to, and uh, I was an actually taller, bigger kid, and a little boy had come up. I was standing ringside with my uncle. It's like, hey, you know, are you a wrestler? I was like, nah, maybe one day, you know, because when you're there at that show and you see them wrestlers and everyone looking up, yeah, I mean, it is idolized. And in that moment, you're like, yeah, man, I totally want to be a wrestler. Uh, but then fast forward, uh, it was 2014. Uh, was the first day I came down. It was actually just to help my uncle recover from cancer. And uh, I had been doing all the behind the scenes stuff from post room promoting uh, at the shows. I'd bring the ring, I'd tear it down, I'd do the gimmicks, concession stand. I mean, I did it all except for pretty much the phone calls, which was what my uncle was having. Uh, and in my mind, I'm taking a nice vacation, even though I got to work for it. Um, but my uncle was training me and teaching me this business without me ever knowing it. A uh, couple months later, uh, we were in Gladeville, Tennessee, had absolutely no ref. Called a bunch of people, couldn't find one. Uh, Steve-O was the wrestler's name. Uh, went, grabbed his chick's credit card, and uh, he went to uh, the Nike outlet. Man, he got me ref shirt uh under shirt black pants black belt black socks black shoes i mean wristbands the whole get up so i look like a professional referee stuck me on it and said hey kid we'll take care of you Just count to three when no one's shoulders come up and by god that was my first ever show refereeing uh and uh every weekend after that uh i was refereeing two three times a weekend uh and about three weeks later i had my first ever uh train uh training session it was with chris michaels uh back when he was working at saw and he was their champion uh and god that's another whole story on its own that first training session <laughs> but uh anyways yeah i started training there uh eventually i think it was about a year um training with chris michaels mainly but uh, Mike, Colorado Kid Rapata, he trained me a lot of psychology, Matt Boyce, uh, he gave me a lot of in-ring stuff, and I still remember having my first match right here in Lebanon, Tennessee, uh, and that was about five and a half, six years ago, and I mean, I was one of those lucky ones, I mean, I excel quick, when I start working on something, it catches on quick. And that's how I've probably been able to progress so quickly in the wrestling business. Not to mention some of the great talent I've had to work to. 
I got real lucky on that side. So tell us about your first professional match as a wrestler. My first professional match. Whew, it was a uh, Gladeville, Tennessee, and I still remember the night. Uh, Daniel Eads was the man's name. That's who I was supposed to wrestle that night. Um, and of course, uh, it wasn't who I had my first match, even though I was supposed to. And he showed up, but uh, he bitched about having to work me. Um, you know, he was being looked at by WWE, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he didn't want to work me because he didn't want to put me over. So uh, Nate Starr, uh, and that was another kid uh, that helped with my training too. Um, both, both of the Star Twins helped with my training, but uh, Nathan Starr, uh, and it wasn't so much match, but a little exhibition. Uh, and I mean, I was, I was not ready. Uh, I did hop that first match a little uh, quick, but it was a little exhibition between me and Nate. And uh, I still remember pretty vividly. Um, like I said, I was pretty garbage, but nonetheless, we got through it. And uh, the next weekend actually probably would have been what I consider a real match. And uh, it was with Alex Taylor, uh, who I've seen actually on NWA now doing real well for himself. Uh, but that was it in Lebanon, Tennessee. And uh, it was a pretty decent match, even though I snagged the right or wrong arm and if other few other little mistakes you know but yeah me and alex taylor living in tennessee so professional wrestling was it a lot harder than you expected no um and that's because i've like i said i put my body through some grueling shit uh growing up i uh lived on a farm i had uh my first uh tax paying job was actually at 13 years old uh and then i also detasseled and uh picked up stones in the fields uh during summertime and i was constantly working uh plus during the school year i did sports year round uh smaller school but football wrestling track soccer and baseball uh so i was always i mean i was always physically active always doing something uh and i tell you what my high school wrestling coaches were rough uh and i mean they popped out some great talent or some great people though um and then when i started training for wrestling though it was not so much like conditioning and building my body for it because you do that on your own time weightlifting cardio all that but training for wrestling takes a worse toll on your body so quickly and especially if you can't understand how to do it right so what, what see, name some of the wrestlers that influenced your style in the ring the wrestlers that influenced my style in the ring um well i mean i guess uh golly uh well i mean i've kind of thrown a mix in uh there's a few uh that i love watching i mean of course aj styles and randy orton are probably one of my two favorite wrestlers 
but uh, in the independent scene, uh, I mean, you literally have to build your own craft, your own moveset, because that's what's going to set you apart. And I mean, working uh, Tommy Rich, um, he showed me some new things. Rock and Roll Express, the amount of knowledge they have in simple chain wrestling, unbelievable. Uh, I got a couple of flippy uh, type shit uh, me and Blake Christian worked on way back in the day before he had the uh, WWE NXT stint and uh, shoot even before he took off to GCW. But um, I mean, a lot of that, I guess, wouldn't be so much that I tried to favor copy or be influenced by someone else's style. But if I could describe my style personally, it'd be old school Memphis style with a little bit of flippy shit. I like that flippy shit. Yeah. And I mean, dude, it's the new thing nowadays. And I mean, some people know they don't agree with it. Some people, yes, it's the way wrestling's changed. Me, yeah, it's wrestling is absolutely changing. Uh, the thing is, though, the old saying is if something's not broke, don't fix it. And that's why I try keeping a lot of old school shit with some new school shit. Yeah. yeah I would say your style is flawless. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, I think that's your style. That's what I would say, but flawless hey, and lawless. A professional wrestling. Do you think for you as an individual, is it more physical taxing to you or is it more mentally taxing? Mentally. Uh, my body's, I mean, I've conditioned it to take a beating, you know, I mean, driving on them roads, 200 hours or whatever, blah, 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 all the miles, uh, going through the matches. I mean, cakewalk, the mental part is what gets a lot of people. I mean, absolutely does. You gotta imagine how lonesome it can be. Uh, especially you got wife, kids at home. That's a whole nother issue on its own. They'd be calling at midnight or as soon as the show's over, you know, why aren't you home? Why aren't you here? Blah, blah, this, blah, 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 that. Uh, the amount of hours and days you stay on the road, you're gone on the weekends. But, you know, and the other huge thing that's so mental, uh, takes such a mental toll is every single one of these fans. I mean, they love, they idolize, they adore you. But at the end of the day, it's just you. And I mean, yeah, that does count. Sign, sound kind of vague, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's true. At the end of the night, it's just you. And that's not just for wrestlers. That's for everybody. But yeah, as a wrestler, it definitely mental all the way. In my younger days, when I was bartending in nightclubs, going home and you're just like it's like the silence the quiet oh absolutely but i mean shoot that bar that bar stuff's fun too i mean i love going out and partying and no one parties like the rat pack for sure but uh i mean sometimes yeah it's just sometimes it's nice to have a peaceful just trip uh i used to love studio 45 actually uh it was a studio in Jackson. We were doing TV, and it was perfect setup, beautiful building. And we had our own little wrestling parking lot out back. 
Well, uh, most of the time, I was one of the last ones out of there, you know, have my uncle get out, cleaning, blah, blah, blah. Most of the time, we go eat or whatever. But sometimes after the show or after we got done eating, I'd pull my car right behind the building, hop out, lay across my hood and stare at the stars and have a couple cold ones. And just listen to music because it, it is just so peaceful sometimes. Yeah. And you got to have that peace to stay, I mean, mentally stable nowadays. Tell me about it. Which, especially what you hear on the news and everything. Oh, absolutely. The world nowadays is absolutely crazy. And I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, you go out, we'd be out, past the streetlights come on. And nowadays, <laughs> if I had a kid, I would not be letting them walk down the road. Not even, I wouldn't probably even let them go outside without me. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, worlds are different nowadays. Yeah, I, I moved deep to the country. You move deep in the country? Like Southern Vermont. Oh, wow. <laughs> so is like, it foresty up there or what? Pretty foresty up here, yeah. Yeah, I guess I've never made it to that northeast part. Uh, shoot, I think closest I got to there was either the Carolinas or Kentucky. But, uh, I mean, originally I grew up in Iowa, so I know what you mean nice backwoods and I, that's the one thing i miss is a lot of that piece in iowa there's so many beautiful spots sight see just relax chill they say crack cold one listen to music and nature i miss iowa for that big reason too yeah but if you want to see a wrestling show around here you have to drive like an hour and a half two hours oh up there in vermont really not much not much at all you have to go to like near closer to the boston area Yep, yep, Massachusetts, or shoot, I've heard a couple things in New York, New Jersey. I guess that's more south, though, I know. Yeah, more west, yeah. 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 Uh, Maine's has, has a big one. Limitless. Really? Up-and-comers. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. I've seen uh, many promotions, of course. I like to peek at the way people run things when I go to different promotions, too. And, uh, I mean, my uncle had it down to a science, what worked and what didn't. And, I mean, that's kind of what I do a lot of my basis judgment off of. But you could tell when a company's going to succeed or going to fail. And, I mean, you could tell if they're making money or if they're spending a lot of money, too. But, I mean, hey, shout out to that new promotion in Maine. Hope they do them well and hope they do succeed. Have you ever had a promotion that was like really shady, like screwed you over? Yes, uh, actually. Uh, I've had promotions that seem shady, that weren't shady. Uh, and then there's a recent incident. Uh, and I can't really touch basis on it, but I did kind of get screwed on some pay. Drove really far and got way undercut. Um, it was kind of a tough one to swallow. Uh, but there was one time I remember in the past that I can talk about. I won't mention the promotion's name or uh, the two that were with me. But uh, they booked us um, about three years in. A little show here in Tennessee. Uh, and they just popped up or whatever. But uh, I promised to guarantee um and nonetheless uh the promoter dipped out before 
all the boys or uh, before anyone got paid. So this wasn't just me. This was like an everybody got fucked type thing. And uh, hell, I still remember everyone grabbing shit. Uh, every bit of the promotion, the sound equipment was gone. Parts of the ring were gone. Uh, their belts never show back up or the belt that dude brought or whatever. And it seemed like he had such great plans, talked a great, you know, little spiel and he wasn't shit. Was it Warrior Pro, was it? No. Nah. I actually didn't work for them. Uh, I know I've heard that name too somewhere several times, but not not worked for Warrior Pro though. Yeah, the promoter, the promoter undercut and didn't pay a lot of the talent and they were pissed. Mm. So we set them up on the show. I think I have heard stories about that. Uh, <laughs> I think I did, yeah. I did hear a story about that early days in a locker room yeah don't know if so what he's going around saying that i'm a pedophile because i set him up say you set somebody up i set him up when i got word that when that wrestlers weren't getting paid i contacted the wrestlers like come on the show i'll invite him on put down the security here so he'll just pop up and boom like it's like an intervention oh wow so I mean, he screwed a lot. Eight wrestlers popped up, and a couple others said they would love to be there, but couldn't, couldn't make it. Wow, ain't that something? Though? This thing, this business too, I've noticed is, I mean, people's loyalty only goes to a certain dollar amount. It seems like with a lot of people. I mean, granted, there is very, very few people that, uh, I mean, are real friends in this business but a lot of people would sell you out to get to the next spot and that happens every day yeah no loyalty anywhere Mm -mm. well i mean like i said i see a few places it's rare but it's, it's very rare in this fucking business and a business you don't think that would and it's probably because a lot of the times it's changed and it's a lot easier to get in the fucking back locker room than it used to be. And, I mean, I don't know if I could rightfully speak on this because I wasn't in the locker rooms back in the day, and I did have an easy, well, I wouldn't say easy way into the business, but uh, I did have a backdoor entry. Um, but nonetheless, people back in the day, I mean, half the people you see nowadays would not be in a locker room nowadays. They would have never been able to get in a locker room back in the day. I mean, and that's just because the boys were the boys. And, I mean, you didn't like new faces. A lot of people didn't. New face means someone else trying to take your job. Yeah. Nowadays, I could shoot. I could hop on Facebook, type in wrestling trainer on Facebook, and 50 replies with an instant. And half of them ain't even been in the business like, couple years you know well, if you want destroying one you just have to say like hey you know this so-and-so is doing this boom spread that around have that go viral that's not so much me um and granted i talk a lot of shit sometimes uh but i talk about blunt blatant shit i guess i'm not one for much of the drama and you know the bullshit or fucking now I have outed a person out or two, 
but that's when it directly affects me, I guess. But I mean, hell, if I see some fucking Johnny shit show, I got some fucking, you know, fuck, uh, Johnny shit show got some fucking rapist fucking working at a show. That ain't my business. I don't associate that with that. I don't work for them. I'm not going to. Why post something about it? Because as soon as I post something about it, now my name's mentioned in with that. And it carries on, shit gets spread, and it's blah, blah, blah. I just, like I said, <laughs> that's too much bullshit to deal with. That's probably uh, why I do get, I mean, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's probably why I do uh, um, have a blind eye to a lot of things, I guess. I mean, I just, some stuff would just screw it. More problem than it's worth dealing with. Do you ever have like fans like like DM you and like get personal with you? Oh, all the time. You'd be stunned by some of the weird, weird conversations or messages I've had with fans and stuff that would seem normal too. Uh, and especially, I mean, because I try to be that guy, you know, that doesn't forget where he came from. And, uh, I mean, I'll shoot fans a message back sometimes. be like, hey, great match. Yeah, thank you. No worries, blah, blah, uh, But I've got some sexual shit, and that's from men and women in the past. I've got some weird, nasty, disgusting stuff before, uh, mostly from men. And I've even got pictures sent to me from men, not women, unfortunately, you know, blah, blah. Like, you just send me pictures. Why couldn't you be a hot blonde? Seriously. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it, it's so ridiculous sometimes. And I'll block uh, people. I mean, most time I give a warning. If I'm getting an unsolicited dick or ass pick from a dude, I mean, you're getting blocked. Yeah, that's... If you're going to ask some off the wall question, I mean, I'll probably let you know, hey, I don't swing that way, you know? We, uh, I've recently had Star Rider on. And he was saying that once people who like, you know, sent tweets or whatever, it's one thing. But when you DM, that's like what we talked about before. You're that person that's after the show. You're not in the ring. You're, you're going personal space. Oh, well, exactly. And I, I stay in character most of the time, depending on, on what my character's doing or whatever. But, I mean, I completely agree. And that's why when they hit up my professional page and they're telling me something about the match, yeah, absolutely. Once that conversation goes away from wrestling, it's usually where that conversation ends. So, I mean, you're going to hit my wrestling page up. We can talk a little bit about wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Love to have you at the next show. And, I mean, I'm always constantly working and promoting on that. I mean, yeah, I'll hit a fan back every once in a while. Fan gets ridiculous, though. I mean, and I've had some crazy fans before. Stalker fans. That's male and female. I mean, it's some crazy stuff. I had a riot, actually, at my car one time. Uh, literally a riot. Glayville, Tennessee. Uh 
uh, it was just some cheap little line I said out. Uh, didn't downgrade nobody, but they were calling me a dirty cheat in the heel. And I said he was the one that needed shower or something along that. Anyways, they took some major offense. Uh, and by God, yeah, they were all waiting at my car. <laughs> I hadn't surrounded. Uh, yeah. And that's actually happened on a few occasions. Uh, I've, I've had been escorted out to my vehicles before for my safety. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's a crazy world some days. Let's talk about if I can get this up. I'm not sure they right now. I did go up. Yeah, I can okay. see it. The, the match that made you the number one, the ending of the match that made you number one contender for the Kentucky title. Was there any insights that's going on in your mind? Well, right there. Uh, well, let's actually pause it real quick. So when I came running down the side of that apron, uh, I see a man standing on that top turnbuckle, and that's perfect instinct. Any man goes down when he gets hit in the nuts. What's that take? A little slip of the hand. And if you see it, all oh, that's all I had to do. And Tony racked himself. Now, to make sure that man was staying down, I had to smash his head against that pole. I mean, legal. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there was many rules in that match, but nonetheless, Mr. Lawless never cheats. But yeah, so once he uh, nutted himself, smashed his head against that pole crumbled down i mean he was done for and everyone else had already been done for i just wait for that opportunity to snag it and i mean shoot climbing a pole snagging a key that's the easy work and that's uh that's kind of like wwe's money in the bank isn't it i mean it seems pretty similar i have a key and at any point in given time or so i'm told at least you know because there was a bit of confusion uh when I first got told about this key, and then I just screw. I don't care what the key does. I just want the cool looking key. Uh, ooh, excuse me, but uh, yeah, it seems like Money in the Bank. At any given point in time, uh, I can cash it this key in for a shot at the Kentucky Heavyweight uh, Championship. At any given point in time, and I believe that's a mid match. Uh, End of the match. I mean, yeah, money in the bank type style has to be. Yeah. So if people like if the champion is like down and out and you decide to cash it in, I know people will be going, yeah, it's not fair. No, <laughs> everyone will have done the same thing. So don't listen to the haters out there. I mean, and that's the thing. The objective is to be the man on top. Who's the man on top? Man with the belt. Now to beat that man on top, are you going to take a man on this 100%? Or are you going to take him on while he's 50, 25%? Which is going to be the easier win? Oh, people take the advantage. Everyone oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, absolutely is the advantage. Who wants to go after a man that's 100% when you can easily pick up scraps? 
or not pick up the scraps, but scoot them out the door. It's like taking candy from a baby. All right, it's a new champ. You might as well just say new champ right now. Might as well. See, see right there. It's beautiful. Right there. Ain't it, Grass. I mean, that's solid gold. Gorgeous. Big old key. I mean, this thing got some weight to it, too. I mean, granted, I'm pretty strong, but that thing ain't left my sights. Hey, what? I did you believe you took a picture of you sleeping with it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's got its own little pillow and stuff. Yeah, I took it up to City Hall. I tried unlocking Al's office at one point in time. Uh, it didn't work out so well, but I finally figured out what Ski does. <laughs> so after everything is all set and done with your career, how do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? I actually ain't given much thought to that. Uh, but I want to, I do want to make a difference. And whether that's being a good role model or being a good example of what not to be, I, I hope they understand right from wrong. That's what I hope they take from me, knowing right from wrong. How about five years from now? What do you see yourself in five years? Shoot, next first first couple of years, I better uh, I'm seeing my signature somewhere. It's not for sure where, and I'm still working on that. Uh, but I mean, you gotta imagine a lot of people. I mean, don't get anywhere. Me, I'm making leaps and bounds in a few years. And what seems like, I mean, forever to me, but I mean, really, it's only a few years. Uh, and it's just about starting to get them right contacts. I mean, obviously, I'm flawless. The talent's there. It's just a matter of being at the right place. Uh, there was actually something I was reading the other day, um, and it was this, uh, he was a violinist, okay? And he went down to the subway, and he's sitting there. He's playing his violin, you know, about, uh, I think he said, like, three, four hours. Made 20 bucks there, okay? He's playing in the subway. Uh, the next night, he played in the biggest amphitheater in this uh, big city and uh, didn't charge less than $100 tickets and played the same exact songs. It's, I mean, absolutely. It's not what you, it's not you, it's where you are. And you've got to be somewhere if you want to be something. What about five years? Five years. I know I'm be sitting in a not lot nicer house. Probably with a lot nicer car. And definitely probably with the championship and not a key. By chance, did you watch WrestleMania last weekend? Bits and parts. Uh, I caught some parts Sun or Saturday night. Uh, yeah, they actually had it playing in the locker room, uh, which is pretty cool. They had TV for the uh, the hard cam that was facing at the ring, but then they had WrestleMania on the other screen right next to it. Uh, but then I did catch a lot of Sunday night, too. Yeah. 
Which match talking about specifically? Like, what did you think about the whole thing? What you saw? From what I saw, I mean, I like bits parts of it. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't really watch the whole thing. Trying to figure out probably what was one of my favorites. Actually, one of the most, actually, my favorite part of the whole show uh, was when Stone Cold uh, cracked a beer uh, with the guy who used to throw his beers all the time. That little bit of sentiment. Uh, and I mean, it's stuff you just can't uh, write. I mean, it was beautiful. It was feeling, it was in the moment. Um, there was another match I really liked, and I can't remember it. There's bits and parts of Cody Rhodes' match and uh, Seth Rollins that I liked. Wasn't too much shocker to see uh, uh, Cody Rhodes back there, though. That didn't shock me. Everyone acts like, oh, my God. It's like, it was, it's, come on, guys, really. It was coming. It was absolutely coming. I uh, at first when I seen the release, I thought it was a joke when someone posted about uh, him possibly going back to WWE, and I was like, no way, you know. After the fucking sledgehammer, the throne, nah. I wanted to see him uh, actually uh, working in some of that. Uh, that ROH or Impact, some of them bigger indie shows or even New Japan, to be honest. Um, but now that he is back with WWE, I'm happy for him. And I hope they do, I mean, do him right. Uh, I mean, that man's got great talent. Great, great talent. Um, but, oh. Critical though, like you could- oh, absolutely! It was a uh, one of those sellout moments, absolutely. And but at that same time, yes, yeah, sellout uh, moment. But at that same time, I understand why. Sometimes you got to leave, you got to make a statement, uh, and I mean, hell, to get that across to WWE. Because I mean, answer me this: before. Uh, AEW ever happened and all that. There's even a talk about it. What were they doing with Cody Rhodes? For AEW, it was a Bullet Club. No, no, WWE. Oh, Stardust? Yes. Had him in a purple mask, and I, I know it's character type shit, and I know it was family. I mean, they all had that. But you could tell he was aching to get out of it. And I don't know, maybe that was just me who kind of seen that, but that's not where Cody fit. And yeah, he does some goofy shit, but I just wasn't feeling it. But then to go from that to like Stardust to going to Cody Rhodes and showing them what they can do, hey, you want to catch their statement, fucking build a shrine and fucking smash it with their fucking weapon of choice, you know? So after you made that statement, I mean, it was a little bit of rivalry. But in that same sense, think of what that did to that company. So many people talked about it. So both of them. I mean, it was good for business for both of them. 
absolutely. But then I guess when this thing, I don't know all the fucking facts, blah blah blah. But I mean, I guess that's just business sometimes. Yeah, I guess it just has more of a. They were having like a cigar and beer or a steak dinner one time. He's like, Vince, I'm gonna do this. And he's like, No, you can't. He's like, watch me, Vince. I'll bet you this. I kind of was a bet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think it was, I was actually uh I seen one the other day. It was Kurt Angle uh and Vince McMahon. And uh Kurt uh Angle had actually uh you know, he was real hard on pills, blah 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 back in the day. And uh, he came into Vince's office, or he got called in one or the other. But uh, he said, hey, Vince, you know, uh, we need to talk. And uh, Vince McMahon pulls out this huge stack of papers on his desk and drops them down. And uh, they were actually printed off pages of uh, voice messages and uh, text messages Kurt Angle had been uh, sending to Vince McMahon. Uh, I'm going to beat your ass, da, da, this, why ain't you answering me? All kinds of crazy off-the-wall shit. Well, when Kurt Angle would fucking take a few too fucking many, uh, he'd black out. So he had no recollection of all this. And uh, Vince McMahon, no bullshit, uh, when he dropped out papers, he said, uh, uh, Kurt Angle said he stood up from his desk tear, took his jacket off, so you going to kick my ass? You're ready to fight some type of shit. I mean, Vince McMahon probably don't take no shit. That was pretty cool to fucking see out of that stuff. He doesn't. He's taking all the like the heat and the hate he's getting. Oh, absolutely. T-shirts of kind of like sell. Which I I saw that and I'm just like, that's that asshole. That's smart. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. and it, that's one of the greatest ways for heels to make heat, and they don't ever realize it. Uh, Mike Rapata was the one uh, who told me about it, and I actually did a um, when I first turned heel. Um, Mike Rapata told me to Photoshop, or uh, he back in the day had photoshopped uh, his head on a chicken body, or whatever, and uh, he goes stick it on the baby face, or go hand it to a baby face. Baby face would sell it, and they'd split the fucking profits. Uh, when I turned heel, I had this fucking god-awful bob cut, and uh, they started calling me soccer mom. So by God, I took my face, and I put it on a soccer mom's body, <laughs> and I sold the shit out of them things. And that's the same thing fucking Vince did. Probably with some, like, we hate Vince shirts. That's money. Yeah. And that's what business is about. So what's coming up for you? Coming up for me, uh, tomorrow, OVW, uh, Friday, uh, shoot, back at TCW, and uh, I do have the TCW championship uh, at the moment. I defend it two times this weekend. First night is a fundraiser in South Fulton, Tennessee, their middle school. You can find the poster, all the information, all on my social media sites. Um, But, yeah, South Fulton Friday night. Uh, Saturday night, I'll be in Selmer, Tennessee. Um, and yeah, I said OVW tomorrow. Yeah, Friday night, I believe it's against Perky Will. And of course, Flawless and Lawless will retain. And then Selmer night is a JPWA graduated student by Insane Dane. 
And of course, I'll be retaining it again because I'm flawless and lawless. But uh, I think following weekend, uh, I'm back up towards Arkansas again. Uh, I've been hitting that RWE quite a bit. Uh, they have a great promotion up there. Uh, Michael Elgin came up. Uh, he did a great seminar. Um, unfortunately, I kind of caught the end of it and just watched. But I did get a chance to sit down with that guy and have a good conversation. Uh, pretty good guy. Pretty fun. Lots of fun. But, I mean, it's just constant wrestling. And we've been working on a few other things. Uh, like I said, I got to get my passport. Uh, you know, a little foreshadowing there. I'll announce that at a later date. But um, a lot of out-of-state stuff. Uh Ever since my uncle passed, uh, it's a lot of out-of-state stuff. I do miss wrestling in Tennessee, kind of closer to uh, the home that I've built, but for sure. I mean, and I always post the posters, any show I'm on, you'll see it and you'll know it. So where can everyone find you on social media? Find me on social media. I have Facebook, Flawless Jake Lawless. Uh, Twitter, or, or actually, let's go to Instagram first. I can't remember all these. And I'm pretty sure my abouts or whatever have all these in this. Yeah, it's just Flawless Jake Lawless on Instagram. Twitter is at Jake Lawless 17. And uh, my TikTok. Uh, and I do throw a lot of my videos, reels, highlights, especially all on TikTok. And that is at flawless jake lawless pretty much all the same similar stuff if you look up flawless jake lawless jake lawless on any social media you're bound to find me you'll see my pictures uh i mean i'm not a hard guy to find if you really look any hints when you just cash that key in or you gotta use that key to cash it in when the opportunity is right so no clues, no hints or anything, just... Well, I mean, I'm not much of a future man. I'm a live-in-the-moment type of guy. When I show up at OBAW, believe me, I'm just sitting in the back watching. I'd be waiting for that moment. I'm an opportunist. You can't just run out all dilly-dally. I mean, that's how you get your head chopped off. And no matter how ditzy, dumb, blonde, whatever... I'm always thinking, and I've always got a plan. So at that right moment, this key will be cashed in, and you'll be seeing another set of gold around my waist. Would you use that key as a weapon? Oh, absolutely. I've used all kinds of stuff as a weapon. Uh, the craziest thing I ever used as a weapon was a twisted tea can when that video first came out. Used one of those, uh, chains, chairs, ladders, tables, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the one thing I still have you out of my bucket list to use as a weapon is a prosthetic. <laughs> Give it time. And the crazy Oh, I'm waiting for it. I know someone's going to bring me a leg or an arm one time. Oh, that'd be so fun. Imagine slapping someone with a fucking fake arm. Yes. <laughs> That's absolutely some of my funnest stuff but i mean i've i've even had a police baton uh i've had some crazy looking brass knuckles um 
I've used uh, gimmicks off people's table. Uh, I remember actually, uh, you remember that picture I said had my face on the soccer mom body? Use that as a weapon. Uh, <laughs> them paper cuts, ooh, those were brittle. Actually, dude's uh, fingers were bleeding down after that. Uh, that was pretty brutal, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you very much for coming on today. I go win that title for the boys here. The boys are something hot. I'm down for it. Absolutely. And I appreciate you having me on once again, man. It was fun to talk, just chit chat and hang out for a little bit. Yeah, like shoot shit. That's all it is. It's always fun too. It is. Hey, take care of yourself. You too, brother. Be safe. You too, man. Bye. Bye.